I lay out every single channel and I give specific frequencies, specific curves, everything. It's just, it's like coming and sitting next to me for a day and you asked every single question you wanted to know. That's the Nashville engineer and producer, Billy Decker. He's also my buddy. He's got a new book out called Template Mixing and Mastering. And this is Trading Force. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Trading Fours, and this one's going to be a lot of fun. I've got Billy Decker, who is one of the hottest mixing engineers and producers in all of Nashville. He also happens to be my buddy from college. Billy and I used to spend a lot of time playing guitars and hanging out and talking music way back in the late 1980s. Uh, But he's got a new book out called Template Mixing and Mastering, and he's going to let you know how you can make a great track at home. And before you pshaw that... Uh, this track right here, recorded at home. So I'm calling this the uh, Trading for All-Stars because everybody on this track has been on this podcast. Uh, playing drums, the amazing Go-Go Ray. He was episode 37. Playing bass, uh, Blake Eberhard on episode 44. He's the bassist. Episode 23 was Tyson Leslie. He's playing piano. And Hammond B3 on this. And this uh, saxophone you're hearing right now, that's episode 11, Bobby Harris of the Daz Band. Yes, a Grammy Award winner on this track. Uh, finally, but last, but very much not least, my sister from another Mr. Laura Ellis. Episode 28 on lead vocals. And this schmo you're hearing right now, that's me playing guitar. Uh, so the point is, everybody did this track from home and put it up on Dropbox and shared it, and then we sent it to Billy Decker, and he was able to mix and master it using the uh, tricks of the trade that he has divulged in this new book uh, to make it sound amazing. So you can do this, and we're going to talk all about this here in a second. So Billy joined me live on a Facebook Live, and now I've edited it down for this. So uh, you know what? This is a lot of fun. Let's get started. Here's my conversation with Billy Decker. Well, uh, thanks, Billy, so much for being on Trading Fours, and I appreciate it. And uh, you and I have known each other for a long time. We'll probably get to that in a minute, but let's start out. I got to ask, why'd you write the book? I co-wrote the book with Simon Taylor because... He called me and asked me. <laughs> it's and- as easy as that. <laughs> it was his idea. So I did an interview probably two years ago, Jamie, with uh, Sound on Sound magazine, which now is like the audio Bible. It used to be Mix magazine when we were growing up. Remember that thing? Yep. Now, unfortunately, that's turned into like a pamphlet that's about that thin, and all it is is advertisements. But Sound on Sound interviewed me, and this gentleman over in the United Kingdom said, hey, he contacted me, just cold called me and said, I'm an amateur recording engineer, uh, but I come from the book publishing world. I've done that for decades. That's my life. I'm in the book publishing world. And he goes, 
I really like your approach to mixing and how you are able to do it really fast and efficiently and whatnot. And he goes, as far as I know, nobody has done like a book regarding like template mixing and mastering. And to the point where if you plug in the exact settings that we say, you will sound identical to me, whether you want to or not, you know? So uh, we went back and forth. Uh, I sent him screenshots, channel strips with audio in them so he could see what was going on. And he kind of wrote the book using my language and, and, and my words and stuff. And then I would proofread it. He would send back chapter by chapter and I would proof it and change some stuff and whatnot. And then um, at the very end of it, he goes, okay, we can self-publish or we can go for a publishing deal. And I said, well, what do you want to do? He goes, well, you know, anybody can self-publish. He goes, but the splits are better. You get, you make a little more money because you own it outright, you know, but he goes, if you get a publishing deal, it's just like getting a record deal. It's, or a writing deal, you know, it gives you a little bit of validation and whatnot. So I said, whatever you want to do. So he goes, okay. And like a month went by and all of a sudden I get a phone call. He's like, Hey Bill, we got a publishing deal. <laughs> and I'm cool like, Fan Fantastic. I, I've been chasing record deals my whole life. I'm in the <laughs> audio business. Can't get arrested. And here I am. I, I jump, write one book and there you go. I get a publishing deal full blown. So, and it hasn't been out that long, but uh, you've got, uh, you're doing really well, not only with reviews, but you're, what are you, number one, right? Yeah, it's it, it keeps popping up uh, all over the world uh, in different countries, but in the United States, it was just number one in like music and sound recording. So I was like just flattered that anybody even gives a hoot what I think, you know what I'm saying? Well, you know, let's, let's back up a little bit. I think it's kind of important to do, you know, you and I are roughly the same age we're within six months of each other and I, I do remember spending some time in the recording studio with you at tom larson's in lincoln nebraska back in the day right um, master tracks right right uh yeah i think he had 32 tracks which was like state-of-the-art at the time right. uh all on tape mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh and the world just like with everything else has gone just at light speed so uh you know, my podcast, I use Reaper as my DAW, which is your digital audio workstation. There's that, there's Pro Tools, there's a bazillion things. So people, you know, the, the days of when we used to try to record music on a Tascam, you know, four channel and try to bounce channels, those days are long gone that you can get a really nice sounding recording from your home. And this book can help with that, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. All you do is I... Uh, I lay out every single channel and I give specific frequencies, specific curves, everything. It's just, it's like coming and sitting next to me for a day and you ask every single question you wanted to know. So, and what I did before I did this, I actually made a template, right? Of my exact settings and gave three of my engineering buddies the exact samples I use. And I said, do me a favor before I put myself out of business for good, you know, on, with one book, just end a career. Right. Uh, and I said, copy me, do me a favor, try to mimic me. And they're like, no problem. And these guys are good engineers, like better than I am. So they all sent me back their mixes and they all ended up calling a few days later. And they're like, all right, we started going down here, doing exactly what Decker does. But Decker goes like this, 
my ears take me over here. So I kept going, do that, do that. And they're like, no, 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 we want to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. That was awkward. No, modern just, tech. See, I we just, were just talking about modern technology and how much it sucks compared to two-inch tape. <laughs> two-inch tape doesn't just cut out. It might rip back in the day. <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, finish. You were bright mid-sentence. So just let me – you said what you – yeah, they called you and it divulged. It went, they went one way. They went oh, the other yeah, way. yeah, yeah, yeah. And no matter how hard they tried to mimic me, their ears always pulled them to their comfort zone, to what they do. So, I mean, I, I think it was my fault. I think it was my fault. What'd you do? Be, because I had my, I didn't turn off my notifications. So uh. anytime I ever get an email or a text, my I got this brand new phone. Okay, that, that brings me to another thing we should talk about. Right. Any, anyway, unless you can clone somebody's ears, you're never going to sound like them. I've tried to sound like Chris Ward Algae, uh, Kevin Churko. I've tried to do like the make myself sound like the guy that makes Nickelback Randy. You can't do it, you know? So I was like, okay, no problem. So I'm going to put out the book. <clears throat> so I'm interested in it. So I've read the book. Even a schmo like me can read this book. You know, uh, I'm obviously not anywhere in your orbit, but let's talk about some of the things that I found kind of really interesting. So the first thing I found, and you know, I'm a guitar player, so I'm not, I don't mm -hmm. know much about drums, but the fact that you never use the actual recorded drum on a drum track, you always replace it with previous drums. Explain why that's important. I do on the kick. I replace the kick 100% right. with, three samples um one's like a clicky high one's got like a dance kick and then the other one's kind of got this whoosh this push sound that i described but the snare back early in my mixing career i actually replaced kick snare and toms 100 percent, and i found after getting yelled at <laughs> not not by me realizing how bad it sounded, but by people yelling at me like, that's, dude, that sounds so fake. You can't do that, you know? So I've started, oh, geez, back 2010, 2008, 2009. I take the reel. Here's my samples over here, level-wise. And then I take the reel, and because drummers are always bouncing their sticks and, and, you know, they're rolling and moving around. And then if they do a like a press roll or something, I'll bring the reel up and down. So this is just doing the twos and the fours for the most part, the hard hits. Right. And this guy is kind of adding the realism. And to be honest with you, I can get it so balanced good in there or perfectly where you won't even know it's a sample. It just sounds like, cause you're hearing all these little ghost notes and stuff that the drummer's doing. So. Yeah. Well, I just yeah. thought that that was really interesting. Cause then, you know, then you, you kind of lost me cause you went into like, you know, Hertz rights and, I did, <laughs> but uh, a good example of me not using uh, any real snare is a song I mixed for Steve Holy called Brand New Girlfriend, and that one is 100% replaced. Rodney Atkins, uh, Going Through Hell, is 100% replaced. Now, Those did uh, okay, right? They did okay on the charts. They did okay. They did all right. Uh, and I actually mixed that one before uh, Pro Tools even had delay compensation. So here I am adding in all these samples. Everything's out of phase. The whole thing. When I hear it on the radio, it's just like, if you sub that thing to mono, it just goes. It's like a tidal wave of phase. It's awful. But 
it didn't matter. You know, a good song always seems to find its way to the top. So even I couldn't kill that, you know? <laughs> All right, let's talk vocals. So you double the vocals on everything. And, and by that, two tracks, correct? That's what you do. Yes. So I mix really hot and I learned early on that I would start hitting all the red. Even today, I hit red all the time. So a lot of people put their master fader at zero and then they mix up into that there. Well, I always just, there's a command in Pro Tools that when you hit option and you click the fader, it snaps it up to zero, unity gain. I got so used to doing that and starting really hot that I had to keep bringing down my two bus, my master fader, to the point where I just learned how to deal. I, I felt more comfortable with stuff up here at zero rather than the master fader at zero. So a guy named Scott Hendricks taught me. Uh, he produces like Blake Shelton. He's A&R over at uh, uh, Warner Brothers. He once showed me because he's an engineer himself he did like brooks and dunn boot scoot and boogie and john michael montgomery stuff if you bring everything down and then you push back up your returns you can build in headroom but it doesn't hit those effect sends quite as hot you know what i mean so right. it does change the sound a little bit so uh, I long time ago, I read an interview where Chris Ward Algae was like, no, I ain't going to, I'm mixing too hot. No, I'm out of headroom. I'm just going to molt that vocal channel into another one, bring up the fader. Now it's twice as loud, put it on two channels. So that's all I do is I duplicate it and it makes it twice as loud. So that built me in headroom to get above the track. So, so it was kind of just like a stupid accident, to be honest with you. But you've been doing it for a long time now, right? Yeah, so it's not a double, it's a clone. It's actually just twice as loud because it's two faders of the same exact thing. And I made a, a series of plugins, and on the vocal plugin, there's a number one button and a number two. And if you hit two, it just makes it twice as loud. That's all it does, I'll be honest. It's like going on to 11 and uh, Spinal Tap. Yes, yes. <laughs> louder, louder is better, Jamie. Louder is always better. Well, don't, you, don't fool you, yourself. You know I like to play loud. So the, no yes. problem there. So let's, uh, you're really big on compression. There's a lot I, of talk on your book about compression. So tell us why that's important. Uh, I actually didn't figure out compression until really late in my career. I don't consider myself an engineer till I was in my thirties, even though I was doing it in my twenties, I had no idea. I, hell, I still don't even know what I'm doing, to be honest with you. But I, a light bulb went off uh, probably, God, I, I probably, I'll be honest. I was in my forties before I understood compression. I will not see. I didn't get to mentor under anybody. I didn't get to assist under anybody. I'm hundred percent self-taught. I went to an audio school, right? Uh, but a lot of times some of the best knowledge you get is out in the real world, you know? And so I had to figure it out just asking questions but once i figured out compression i learned that you can not only use it to level stuff and contain stuff but you can also use it to uh shape sounds so it's almost like an effect you can alter the sound of things using compression and to be perfectly honest i probably limit more than i actually compress 
these days. So, uh, especially when you're doing a lot of rap or pop music, all that stuff comes prepackaged. All the samples, they're good to go. They're already doctored all up. And all you need to do is just kind of put them in their little space, maybe give them a little high end or low end, you know. But other than that, I tend to just limit more often not than compress. But it was a huge day when I figured out how to actually understand and work compression. It was like I graduated from uh, high school or college, you know, I wasn't a kid anymore. I was like, okay, I'm an adult. I'm an adult mixer now. But it took me way longer than most people. Right. So I want to, uh, I figured out every time you dropped off when we had a little technical difficulties, which again is why this is live, we're not faking it. We lost the stream, but I just, the stream is up. So for people, I will put this entire interview up when we're done. So if you missed the beginning, you can hear it, but we're live now on there. And I, this is, I've been to your studio in Nashville. Uh-huh. You were very nice to let me there. And I think that tickled me the most that made me just burst out laughing was the boom box that I remember you having in your apartment above Spaghetti Works in Lincoln, Nebraska is now a tool that you yes. use. So let's, yes. let's, this is fascinating. And it's, there's a picture in the book of the actual boom box. So for people that are not as mature as we are, the boom box in the eighties was the state of the art thing that you took around. So yeah. tell people how you utilize this for recording and why. I, I actually use it just as a point of reference. So anybody can use anything to mix on. You can, you can mix on these little earbuds, you know, as long as you know them and you're familiar with them. I am familiar with that boom box in my studio, uh, it doesn't do low end real good, but it does high end. So I know if something is too bright and I know if my vocals are sitting in this, in the right spot. Um, I also check in my car. I'm a religious, I've actually bought, I actually buy cars according to how the stereo sounds. So I'm not a big car guy, but I don't care what kind of car it is. As long as I like the stereo and it feels good, I'll get it. So I was fascinated with a friend of mine. He had an Audi A6. He was a big songwriter. Got this huge payday, wrote a bunch of number one songs. He had the most amazing car. So years, years down the road, I bought a 10-year-old version of his car. I bought like a 2001 Audi A6 because I love that spe- the speakers in it. And it turned out to be the biggest piece of garbage car I've ever drove my life. I mean, you go in to fix a light bulb. It's like $500, you know? (laughs) Oh, okay. Turn signals out. Oh, $500. Dome lights out. $500. I mean, I'm done with the $500 service thing. So I got rid of that. I got familiar with another vehicle that I've had forever. I've got this little Acura TSX. Mm -hmm. And it's probably, I think I got it in 2006. And... I was driving home tonight and the right front speaker actually crackles. It's banging into the the thing. I think it's blown. I mean, I've been checking mixes in that thing for 15 <laughs> years and and I just realized, "Oh, my my right front speaker is blown. It's like <laughs> it's like rubbing into the side of the car. I'm like, "Oh, that that's encouraging, isn't it?" Uh, Thanks, Bill. Thanks, that's Bill. Those but, million dollar yeah. ears. 
It's that exactly. Stuff. Yeah. Any anything you get used to, though, you can reference on. So I, I don't have the most expensive set of monitors in my studio. I've got two sets. I've got Wathen Audios that are custom made down in Texas uh, that are great. They're like they remind me of old tannoys, you know, they're real spongy and kind of fat and puffy. They yeah. sound great. You can like blast Def Leppard through it or anything Mutt Lang's ever done. They sound great. And then I've got Mackies that I've used from day one. So, well, I and think then the boombox. To your point, though, uh, you know, you've got those uh, AirPods in your ear right now. For most right. people in this day and era, that's what they listen to music through, right? They don't have the subwoofer and the whole thing. Like that's why you're you're checking to make sure that it sounds good with that kind of component, correct? Right, right. And I use actually, I have a subwoofer that I've used. God, I had it over at Soundstage, and I actually bought it from them when I moved studios. But I've used this. I'm using a subwoofer from I think the '70s, maybe the '80s. Uh, it's a Quested Audio Sub, and this thing's like it's an 18-inch Quest. It's like, geez, I looked at it the other day. I think it's like four grand to replace this thing, just because they don't make it. There's hardly any left. And if I didn't have that, I would be lost. I've I've made my whole career on this subwoofer and it's barely on and I've got the crossover set at a certain level that if I didn't have that I'd be lost so I wouldn't know what to do right so uh for people that don't know you and I and I did the math the other day it kind of blew my mind we have known each other for 35 years which is insane oh my uh, gosh yeah. yeah we went to college together we used to hang out together totally, the, we, whole, totally. the whole the thing that I always remember about you, Billy, um, was just you always, you know, we all played music and we had guitars and we did all that stuff, but you were really always interested in the sound. You remember you had that keyboard and you were always messing with it and how do I record yes. and all that stuff. So it's obviously something that you've felt about passionately. And I actually remember when you got the full sale thing in the mail, uh, you didn't want to use your criminal justice degree from the University of Nebraska, right? <laughs> you had other plans. Looks, looks good hanging on my wall, though. So. <laughs> Actually, if I if I could go back in time, I honestly would have majored in music, Jamie. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is I tune vocals a lot of times. Not, I mean, nine times out of 10, if I'm doing a record, everything comes to a mixer already taken care of. It's been edited, it's been locked, it's been recorded. It's all smoothed out. All I have to do is blend it all in. Vocals are tuned. Everything's perfect. But a lot of times I'll get stuff that just comes in. Say I'm doing a demo or an independent record and people just record. They send it to me. And if I could go back and have a theory degree, that would be invaluable for what I do right now. And the only reason I didn't major in music because uh, I actually looked into it, but you had to take calculus, and I yeah. hate math with yep. a passion. Yep. And criminal justice was the only major I could find <laughs> that doesn't have calculus. You never had to take any math. I actually looked into being a marine biologist. I was going to go like swim with sharks and and be um, whatever, you know. Right. And but but you had to have calculus, and I detest math with a passion. <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. That's why I did journalism for a major. There, I had enough ah. in high school. I didn't have to do it. Uh, but, but yeah, the, if if I could have that theory degree, uh, quick little story. Uh, there's a, a 
studio musician named Ilya Tolshinsky. He's from Russia. He played in a band called the Bering Straits back in the day. And he's one of the top session guys in Nashville, has been for a long time. Guitar player, utility, banjo, mando, ukulele, uh, anything strings he can do, right? Mm -hmm. So he was actually producing something or whatnot in the studio. And I was mixing it. He came in to close it. He's like, oh, I forgot to tune the vocals. Do me a favor. And usually when I tune vocals, I draw it all out. It takes about an hour, right? And make it perfect. He's like, no, no, no. We don't have time for that. Just put it on the auto mode. And he's like, put it in the key of D minor, diminished, augmented, fragmented fifth. Right. Uh, take this note out. Take this note. Add the ball bearings, the flux capacitor. Hit play. <laughs> and I hit play. And it was perfect. I'm like, dude, how do you, how do, you do that? That's unbelievable. If I would have known that, you don't have no idea how much time I'd save. He's like, Decker, that's theory. That's music theory. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, face palm emoji right there. Boom. So I'm do you ever like that's what Rick, you know, Rick Beato, that's his whole thing, right? Have you watched any of his YouTube stuff? Huh, huh. So Rick Beato is this producer guy. Um, he's in Atlanta. Okay. He's done, he's done a lot of producing stuff, but he is Mr. Theory. And so he oh, goes okay. through and he does like what makes a song great. Right. right, And he'll go through and say, because they use this chord progression and they did this stuff like that. And it's really great for edification. Oh. So, you know, he's done, you know, Van Halen, he's done Toto, he's done Alice in Chains, he's done, I think he's on episode like 100. But hearing somebody, you know, I have a little bit of theory background, you know, my dad was a, a, actually taught at the University of Nebraska, and I took piano for a number of years, but it's only to a point. But it's almost like having a roadmap in a way, right? Like it, it demystifies. And like you said, if you know what you're doing, it can move a lot quicker. Right. Well, my funny thing is they always say you live through your children, right? If you fail yourself, you can rebirth yourself through your children. My daughter is a singer songwriter and she's got the gift. She's actually unfortunately she has the gift i tried to say don't you want to be like a doctor or teacher or something like that right. no i want to do music so anyway i talked her in to go into college just for the experience you know because it it kind of grows you up makes you learn to adult you know be on your own but i said do something that will at least further what you want to do so she's majoring in music she wants to sing she wants to write songs which she is and uh but she's getting a theory degree. So I actually called her from the studio the other day and asked her a question. She's like, duh, dad, <laughs> duh, don't you know that? She's like, you're in the music business. I'm like, yeah, but I don't have a theory degree. No, you just knew the three chords of rock and roll when you played in a band in college, right? You that's right, G GCD, that's it. <laughs> so before we, let's talk a little bit about it's a long, you know, I, I, people want to know how to get in the music business and stuff like that. I know that you started out as an intern and in, what was it? Virginia city, Virginia beach. Where were you? Virginia beach. I actually had a job in Virginia beach. Yeah. I was an overnight, uh, overdub guy. I was doing that there working, uh, on rap and hip hop. And, uh, before that I was out in San Francisco doing, uh, alt rock at a studio uh before that i was in the virgin islands for about three weeks till i ran out of money and realized i was working for a drug dealer and was probably gonna die <laughs> <laughs> you need to write a book it was, brother it, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it was funny when i i was on an internship there and 
the studio was all it was on the island of saint martin right mm-hmm. it's beautiful and there. Uh, oh unbelievable i had no idea how expensive it was and I, i'm we're talking 1991 maybe something right. like that 1991 anyway i'm on the island and they gave me a little scooter to go down to like navigate and go to the grocery store and something and they said, whatever you do, just make sure you say this name. And they gave me this guy's name, Tonka. Whatever you do, just say you work for Tonka. And I'm like, okay. So I went down to the grocery store, and it was kind of in a seedy part. I guess I took a wrong turn, like my third day down there. And these dudes came up, you know, and they were like, oh, easy target. This guy's a tourist, you know. And I just got off my scooter. I'm like, hey, fellas. I just came from Tonka Studio. They all backed up. <laughs> it was like the parting of the Red Sea, and I just walked right in the grocery store. I mean, I thought they were going to, like, spit shine up the scooter for me and be like, here you go, sir. It's waxed and polished, you know? There you go. So That's hilarious. There, there are some perks, you know? So. That's right. So San Francisco, when was that? What were the years? Oh, uh, that was that same year because I ran out of money in uh, Virginia Beach, or not Virginia Beach. I ran out of money in St. Martin, and I had to finish my internship. So they traded me uh, the internship for room and board. It was unpaid, but they let me stay in this efficiency apartment above the studio. So every day, my job, I mean, you know how bad San Francisco's gotten lately with just homeless and drugs i mean beautiful city great right. people I'm, I'm not bagging san no, francisco I, at all i have a great san but, francisco story when you're done so but my daily routine would be i would come down and this was in the middle of summer so it's hot as hell i would come down and i would have to this studio was located down in the market district kind of a mm-hmm. seedy part of town like a warehouse district right that was trying to come back uh, so I would come down and I had to hose off the sidewalk, all the human waste from the homeless and, and sweep up needles, hypodermic needles from all the drug use way back in the day. So I didn't want to step on a needle, right? Because it was like, oh, you're going to poke yourself. You're going to get some, you know? Right. So, but it was hot as hell. So I would, I had shorts and like a tank top <laughs> on and back in the nineties, shorts were a little shorter than they are now. But I'd put on my cowboy boots so I wouldn't step on a needle because it wouldn't come through. So here I am walking around in short shorts, a tank top, and cowboy boots in San Francisco. And I got a garden hose every morning. People are just waving, walking by. It's like, yeah, fit right in, dude. You're like the newest <laughs> member of the village people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so here's my San Francisco story, and then we can move uh, on. To it. Same kind right. of, same kind. Of, it's beautiful there. It's gorgeous, but yeah. it's there's a lot of. I mean, and I've been everywhere. I've been to New York. I've been to LA. I've been to Chicago. Right. Been, you know, there's, and people always like, well, they have a homeless problem. It's like, you haven't seen a homeless problem until you go to San wow. Francisco. And uh, my wife, Kelly, which you know, we we're both married to Kelly's. Uh, sure. she had, she's a lawyer and uh, she, I just tagged along on her business trip because, you know, hey, go to San Francisco for a few days. Yeah. And yeah, she's yeah. all, and I'm in my jogging gear because I'm going to go for a jog while she has to work. And she's in a nice, you know, business suit thing and has on uh, just like those low business shoes. And uh, all of a sudden she like slips. And I was like, what happened? And she stepped in this huge thing of human shit. 
Oh. All over a shoe, all over things. So it's always like when people tell me how great San Francisco is, it's just what it will always remind me of. Plus, it's just <laughs> unbelievably expensive. It's just not a cheap place to live. No, it's over the top. So, so uh, besides the glamorous part of show business, uh, is there some people that, you know, I know you've done a ton and you've worked with a ton of people. Are there some people out there that you like think, man, I'd love to mix them? There's some bands or individuals or just people you'd like to work with that you haven't yet? Yes. Uh, I think we were actually talking about that earlier and before we got on. And you mentioned uh, Nancy Wilson's coming up on one of your things, right? Yeah, it's Nancy Wilson from Heart is supposed to be on this Schmo's podcast, which is just uh, stupid. How that oh, I tell you what, I had the biggest crush on Nancy Wilson. We went on college sneak. I was in a fraternity and we snuck out and sneaks are when you like all the freshmen go to a different campus in a different city and they spend the weekend. We went to Iowa, Iowa State, I think. And we stayed at the fraternity over there, but we had activities planned all week and stuff, but I found out Hart was playing that weekend so i snuck away from all the activities and bought a ticket with a buddy of mine and we went and saw heart and i remember uh i was like the dude that was like fifty thousand feet up in the nosebleed but i took off my shirt when she started singing never and i was like fist pumping you know what i mean way back in the day so tell nancy when she comes on the show You've got a, a a mutual stalker friend of hers, all right? <laughs> let, let her know I'm not going to like send ricin in the email or something if I send her a love note or something like that. You, you just want to mix a record, that's it. I you just want to mix a record. Yeah, I just want to say, hi, Nance. Remember me? Oh, yeah, you were that dude way back in 90 <laughs> up in the... I, can, I, can, I think I remember. Yeah, 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 I remember you. Yeah, uh, that's... <laughs> I saw them like two years ago. You know, this is the great thing about Groupon now. Well, before the pandemic, but right. I've seen more great bands with a Groupon for like 25. I mean, when's the last time you paid a real ticket price for $25? But through Groupon, oh. so it was them and Joan Jett opened for 25 Really? Bucks. And wow. they're still <clears throat> fabulous. You know, some people- Oh, Absolutely. Think- some people they get older, they lose some of their range and some of that stuff. And not these two. I mean, they can sing, you know, they did dog and butterfly, just the two of them and the guitar, and that was it. And just the harmonies, uh, it's unbelievable. They're just a great band. Yeah. And funny, you talk about Groupon and the price of concert tickets today. That that reminds me of another thing we could segue into, but ninety-nine percent of every act I mix asks for live stems so say we mix a record we will when it's done the one you hear on the radio is what we call the mix right and then we always provide them with a tv track which is the mix minus the lead vocal so it's like a karaoke track right and they call it a tv track in case they ever have to do like a morning show or whatnot by themselves they can't do a live band they can sing to the track, you know, and you've got the backgrounds. The only thing missing is the lead vocal. In L.A., they call it a mix minus. So a mix minus the lead vocal is what they ask for in, like, film and TV and stuff. Then we also provide them with 
And I say we because I've got an assistant that kind of helps me bounce down all this stuff and takes care of all the grunt work. I'm way above the grunt work, Jamie. I'm way too important, famous, and actually good looking. There you go. Yeah, Yeah. I I don't need to bother about – no, I'm keeping So they'll also get an instrumental mix, uh, which is just uh, no vocals whatsoever. So if they want to bring a background singer, they can do the karaoke with live background. Then – they want almost everybody requires full stems, which means, okay, so we've got bass guitar, drums, acoustic guitar, keyboard. They want each individual instrument bounced down with all the record sound on it so they can perform it live and add that in. So if ever you go to a concert and you see the drummer wearing headphones or a little earpiece, He's actually playing to a click track that's locked to these studio pristine recordings like the backgrounds, the yeah, you know, you've got like a choir behind you. You don't have a choir on stage, but you hear a choir. Right. Everybody does that now. And you want to know why they're doing that? It's because ticket prices are so expensive. If you and I pay $200 to go see a concert, you want to get your money's worth. And if they sound horrible, you're going to be like, I'm never buying their record again. I'm never going to their concert again. So they use studio recordings in the background and supplement their live show to fatten it up. Yeah. That happens religiously. Especially. The last time I've, I've seen a band that has not used live tracks was just like even uh, bar bands down on Lower Broadway, you know, our famous Lower Broadway that has all the honky tonks and stuff. They even use live tracks these days. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I actually uh, had Jason Faulkner on recently on the podcast, and you know he's a big recording guy and a nerd, and and he said that uh, on Frampton Comes Alive, the joke was always Frampton Comes Alive at Westwood Studios. That like the only thing that was really from the live event was the crowd. Right. Oh, there's all these funny. Yeah. There's all these tricks and trades, things that, you know, and, you know, and I think there was this, uh, you know, with Van Halen, there was always this very long, you know, long after Michael Anthony was out of the band. <laughs> Amazingly, the the the, uh, you know, harmonies sounded a lot like Michael Anthony. And apparently David Lee Roth is using them right now. Well, before COVID, when he was opening up for Kiss, same kind of thing. And they asked Michael and Michael Anthony didn't even know about it. Right? Oh, that's funny. That's funny. I got called to mix. I've done tons of live concerts. Like I'll get sent stuff to mix. That's uh, Darius Rucker on Sirius XM. And it's like a concert from Charlotte or something like that. So his manager uh, called me and said, Hey, we have this live show that Darius just did. We want you to mix it Decker. And they never call me to mix his records, but they called me to mix like when he was on The Bachelor, when he sang on that, on the ACM Awards, I did some stuff. Anyway, they sent me this live concert. So I'm like, man, I need to really fatten this up. And I've got sound effects and crowd noises from anywhere. So I've got like Wembley Stadium in like the, in Europe, like 25, 30,000 people just, ah. And I blended it in behind this thing, you know, and it starts out the kick drums like, doo, doo, doo. and I got, I got all these fake claps. It's like, doo, doo. I mean, it just sounds monstrous. 
Like, we will, we will rock you. I mixed 16 songs, spent two days, three days layering all this crap, and I would blend it in like, ah, it sounded like a football stadium, but they scored a touchdown. Right. Turned it in. I thought, man, this is my, this is my, this is my odyssey. I have outdone myself, dude. This is my Iliad. This is my, <laughs> this is my opus. I kid you not. I turn it in within 15 minutes. The phone rings. <laughs> That's not it's good. Darius. It's Darius's manager. He goes, dude, this sounds really good. We have a problem. I said, what's that? <laughs> he goes, Darius was only playing a goddamn 200 seat crowd. He goes, he was in a club with 200 people. What do you got like this football stadium? What is, what do you, so I'm like, okay. Road to hell, man. It's yeah. babe with good yeah. intentions. So when sorry people, for, sorry oh, for cursing. Didn't mean to use the Lord's oh, name in vain. I'm sorry. Worry, that's, I was, I was quoting him. I was quoting him though. Yeah, that's okay. I was then. quoting him. Well, I, you know, I I never. He cursed. was he, he was a New Yorker. He was a New Yorker. He always yelled at me. Always. Oh, I bet. So, uh, let's sell some books. What's the best way to buy your book, Billy? Is it on Amazon? Where else can they get it? Uh, you yeah, you can get it on Amazon. You can go to Books a Million. You can go to Barnes and Noble. You could probably steal it from Walmart if you could get out <laughs> without getting caught. You know, I wouldn't pay for it. I mean, steal it if you can. And it's not how much is it? <laughs> I bought it on the Kindle because I, you know, so I, yeah. I, I read it on the Kindle. It wasn't, it was like 12 bucks or 15 bucks. I don't remember what I paid. For. Yeah. I think the, the heart, it's weird because every country it's priced differently. You know what I mean? So it's like, sometimes it's 17, sometimes it's 22, sometimes it's 30, but a lot of times it's like that's pounds or, or euros. So I, I don't know the translation for that. But. So what's but the, yeah. Before we go, 2021, what's what's on tap for you? I know you're busy. What to, do you have anything coming down the pike you're excited about to work on? Or you just, do you not know until like the day of and it just shows up in your email inbox? Yeah, usually it just shows up. I don't even think about it anymore, you know. Uh, I did just mix a kid named Andrew Janakis, who was on The Voice, and I think he blew up on TikTok. And that's on radio right now, and it's doing pretty good. Uh, I did some new stuff for, uh, Rodney Atkins and he's got some stuff. I believe that's going to be on, uh, uh, not Westwood. Uh, what's the Kevin cost Yellowstone, Yellowstone, right? Yellowstone. We just, we just mix some stuff for them too. So that's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I just have audio. We'll mix whoever sends me something. I end up mixing. So. Yeah, I'm sure you get horrified when I send you stuff. <laughs> no, I got sounds like that, shit. What is he doing? Somebody sent me some. I do have a new band I mixed, uh, a metal band that's really cool called Relic. It's a female lead singer, and it's not screamo, but it's super heavy, like drop B, drop A guitar tuning. I mean, it's low, right? So, but it's real melodic. But it, it's 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 kind of fun. That stuff's cool. So also, just so everybody knows, you are a man of many talents. I have uh, one of the cutting boards that you make, the Decker board. Ah, uh, yes, you know that. Yes, and yes. my wife uses it all the time. Uh, and my sister was just here last weekend. And that's why I bugged you and texted you because she freaked out. I was like, I have to have one of these. 
<laughs> and so that's why I, I had to reach out and be like, can you order this? And you were like, you're cool and do that. So you don't only do that, but people can find that right up on the website. They can also, you've done um, huge, who was the guy? Was it the guy in Lit? Who'd you build the huge table for? There was somebody you built this enormous table for. Yeah, Jeremy Popoff. He, uh, he bought a property here in Nashville and they ended up moving full time. He's like, Decker, I, I mixed a couple things for him. He's like, I need a kitchen table. I saw on Facebook where you're a woodworker. I'm like, yeah, I, I can do that. So I said, find me what you want. So he got this pottery barn design. And I basically just went downtown and got a, an old 1800s building that got knocked down because they're knocking everything down in Nashville these days and putting up these high rises or these tall, skinny Airbnbs, the condos, you know. But we got wood joices, four joices from this 1800s building. And uh, so, yeah, I built him a farm table for him and his lovely wife. And, uh, yeah, it's just something fun to do. I think everybody needs a hobby. Everybody needs to be able to get away from what you do. I, I mean, if I, I'll be honest, I don't even listen to music when I'm out there building tables or cutting boards and stuff. Sometimes... I will listen to music, but it's not what I do every day. I like put on like dance music, like EDM or house music or something like that, or like thrash metal, you know, just something angry where you can just like stomp around the, the, the driveway real quick and sand cutting boards or whatnot. So no, that's great. They're really cool, but, man. You do a really nice job. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you. Yeah. you got a motorcycle now, too. I don't know how the hell that happened, but I, I, I'm watching you on Facebook. You build a motorcycle. I do. Yeah, I bought one that was like broken and I got really bored this last summer. So I'm like, you know what? I failed seventh grade small engines in high school or, or maybe it was ninth grade. I think it was high school, small engine shop, you know, because my lawnmower engine didn't start. You get a, a broken one, you have to tear it apart, put it back together. And I'm like, you know what? I am going to redeem myself. So I just went to YouTube, found an old chainsaw, got it running. It was like from the 80s, rebuilt it. It was locked up. I'm like, okay, that was easy. So I did a boat motor, did that, got it going, spit water out. No problem. All right, what's the next progression? Oh, let's do a motorcycle. <laughs> Now I've probably got more into it than it's, you know, Worth. I can even sell it for. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was fun. And my kid, my son, funny enough, he's like, Dad, I want that motorcycle. That'd be a great bar hopper for me down here. I'm like, son, do you really want to ride the first bike somebody learned to build off of YouTube? No. You're going to be driving down the road and the front tire's going to fall off. You don't want that. You don't want that kid. No, and you think uh... – I don't think your wife would be real happy about him writing that being the first. No, not at all. So I've, I've gone back through it and tightened her all up, got it spit shine. I'm actually going to sell it and buy another broken one and do it again. Cause it's really fun. So, no, and like great. I said, you need, you need a hobby. You got to get away from the music. You know, if you do music nine times out of 10 every day, you're just going to burn out, you know? So you got to decompress. No, and I, I had Chris McLernan on who, you know, Saigon kick fame. Um, oh, Chris, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris rebuilds, I mean, guitars that look like somebody threw them off the top of the Empire State Building. Like, they just look destroyed. And he's like, he can completely build them back. And they, I mean, really snapped off necks the whole nine. And they look great. 
He does oh, a great job. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, do me a favor. Tell Nancy Wilson when she's on if she wants to uh, – if she needs a motorcycle, tell her I'll be happy to build one. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Stalker so, Bill. No, oh. that, that's fine. So, so uh, last thing before we go, because I think um, – the last year has been really hard on people, right? It's yeah. been a long, tough year, especially for musicians too, right? Right. Um, and except you know, Nancy Wilson, except, except for Nancy, Nancy Wilson, Wilson. she's, she's fabulous. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> we uh, we uh, have both had some health issues, um, and we can talk about this as much or not, and I can cut it out later or stuff. But I think hope is a really important thing. I yeah, think, absolutely. I think hope hap- <clears throat> helps, and and I th- I see some people that get down and stuff. So. Uh, uh, you know, I went through some serious health issues with Lyme disease and co-infections and all kinds of stuff. And I was sick as a dog for a long time. Right. Uh, yeah, I remember, got, I remember that. I remember that. I remember you telling me all about that. Right. And for you, I got this call out of the blue about you and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a, a type of cancer, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you went through chemo. You yep. went. Yep. You went through the whole nine yards. Like this was, and I think I was one of the few people, I mean, you told your family and stuff too but i was probably one of the few outsiders that knew about this because you had to keep a business going yeah and uh i had stage three cancer non-hodgkin's lymphoma just came out of the blue we went to the beach down in florida and i got home from the beach and my left underarm was like swollen up i had a bump it was like puffy and i think i i told everybody i was like i looked at my kids and whatnot i said i think i got stung by a jellyfish it's like puffy here well, three weeks later, it turned into like a tennis ball, and I went in and got it biopsied, and they're like, you got cancer, you know? So I was like, well, probably the best thing to do, they can't cut it out because it's your lymph nodes. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is when all your lymph nodes just go into overdrive for some reason, and they all start getting big. So the only way to cure it is to shrink them, and that's with chemo, you know? So yeah, I signed up and did the basically six months roughly six months of chemo and it was funny because i couldn't figure out how to not lose work so i could tell you one of my friends and you'd be like oh let's not bug decker let's not call him with projects he's going through chemo we don't want to trouble him you know right unintentionally i lose business and then there's other people i'd like call somebody else and they'd be like there ain't no way in hell we're calling decker he's going through chemo he's gonna he he can't be in his right mind there's no way so i lose business so i I figured you know what the best thing to do is just keep quiet and lay low well i did that and luckily nine times out of ten i mix unattended meaning people don't come in they just send me stuff so i can fly under the radar all day but there's this one songwriter his name's anthony smith in nashville and he always loves to come in the studio and give me demo works. He and I have known each other for, oh, yeah, all the way back, way back, like 2000. Uh, so anyway, he comes in, and it was just right when I shaved my head, right? But I always wore a ball cap to kind of like lay low. And he comes in, he's like, hmm, hmm. You know, he's he just kind of looking, you know. And gives me his music. I mix it. He goes away. All right. Now, by the end of chemo, I mean, chemo beats you up, right? Afterwards, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I was very lucky. I didn't get sick. I never threw up or anything like that. Didn't have fatigue or not. I got very lucky. But anyway, right at the very last month of chemo, he comes in. 
gives me the music again. He just, he's the only one that pops in, right? Gives me a song. He goes, hmm. Sits down and looks at me. He's like, and he usually doesn't say anything. He goes, Decker. Nobody calls me by my first name. It's always like wow. Decker. Totally. He's like, Decker. He's like, I can understand you like changing up hairstyles. That's cool. He's like, dude, you got no eyebrows. What the hell's going on? <laughs> I said, well. Wow. So anyway, I told him, he's like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figure something was going on. <laughs> right. But I, I think it's it's good to know that things can get better. That oh it, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it can seem like you're in the depths of hell and things are doing, but things can improve and that hope is a powerful thing. Uh and 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 hearing these types of stories where things get better, I think is important. And I, I do for the record, yes, I left you alone, but I did send you Runza and Valentinos. That's the kind of friend I am. You did. You did. And to be honest, Jamie, probably one of the coolest things that happened through that whole thing is I was always up late, right? Because you're always taking like prednisone and stuff like that after you get the chemo. So for a couple of days, you're jacked up on like, ooh, you just go, go, go. Anybody that's ever done prednisone, it just ooh, kind of wires you, you know? So I was always be up late for like two or three days afterwards after I hit chemo, then it would wear down for three weeks. But I would actually spend time on a lot of these audio forms that I'm on. I mean, I've got plugins, books, so I'm always on this stuff. But I actually was able to talk to a couple kids that I could tell. Uh, I actually lost my father way back in the day to suicide. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of familiar with some of the signs and stuff like that. But being on some of these forums, I actually recognized a couple kids. And I was, I feel fortunate enough to have noticed that. And because it was an audio forum, uh, I guess a lot of these kids would look up to me or whatnot. But I actually reached out to them. And I tell you what, to this day, I've got two kids that were this close to just about calling it quits. And by being able to recognize the signs, they've turned around a hundred percent. And to this day, we always keep in touch, you know? So if I never do anything ever important books, plug-in, none of that matters, but just because of what I've done and, and been able to do uh, to be able to help like those two kids in particular, it's, there you go. I don't need to do anything else. You know, I'm good to go. Yeah. Amen so. to that. Life is a hope. Precious. Hope, hope is good though. Yeah. You got to have hope. And life is a precious thing and um, stuff. So I, uh, I really appreciate the time. Um, you know, we've been friends for a long time. I always enjoy talking to you. You're just a good, positive, great, just a good guy, dude. It's just always fun to talk to you. Always. I'm always happy to hear how well you, you've done. It's not surprising to me. I knew how good your ear was back in the day. Um, so I, I, people want to check out the book. It will be in the show links. Please buy it. It's, it's a great help. Billy basically is almost like giving you the recipe, right? How to, instead of it being a cake, it's a recipe on how to make a great sounding track that you can take it and do really good things with. So I, I, I highly recommend it. And, and, uh, Bill, it's always good to see you. Glad things are good. Tell the family hello and, uh, we'll be in touch soon. I'm sure absolutely thank you for having me on and i wish i could say the feelings were mutual but just so your audience knows you actually paid me 
with Runza's and Valentino's Pizza, you said you would send me another installment if I came on your podcast. So I said, you know, we're really not friends. I can, I don't even know you. Yeah. I'm just, I'm like pretending we've known each other for, th- no, I'm teasing everybody. No. But uh, if you do want to send me some more Valentino's and Runza, we actually did get a Taco John's finally down here. In that made you very happy, didn't it? Oh, six pack in a pound. Six well, pack I, a pound. I'm supposed to be out there in August for a podcast a convention. Who knew there was such a thing? So I'll come when I come out in August. I will buy it. I'll go through the drive-through on the way, get on the plane, and drop it off to you. How about that? I will give you a big fat. You can oh. buy me a beer. <laughs> okay, I'll buy you a beer. I'll buy All right, you a brother. beer. Have a good night. Tell everybody hello. You bet. Thanks for having All me right. on, Jim. All right, take care, brother. Bye bye. Decker, everybody. Again, the book is Template Mixing and Mastering. You can find a link to that in the show notes. You can find Billy Decker's website, guess where? In the show notes. And I'm also going to put up some of his amazing woodworking. You can check that out, too. There's a link down there for that. So thanks so much for uh, Billy. You know, it's so amazing. Um, You know, when Billy called me and said, hey, I have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and I'm going through chemo. I had a big old uh, you know, just it felt like somebody punched me in the gut. Um, you know, that dude's got two kids. That guy, He's got a wife and he's got a job and way too young for that. Um, so I'm so happy uh, chemo was a success. He's been in remission for over three years, which means that he has the all clear. Uh, so, so happy about that. And, you know, when you have life and you uh, have the opportunity, I, I think it's amazing. You know, Billy's dad obviously... As he said, took his own life, and Billy being able to recognize some of those signs of a potential suicide and helping out those two people while he couldn't sleep, hopped up on prednisone trying to get over things. It's a nice little outcome and a, a really big stew of not nice, um, but it doesn't surprise me. Billy's just a nice guy, and uh, it's totally how he is. So thanks so much for that. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, you can do these amazing mixes at home and uh, check the book out. Uh, so that's going to do it for this time on Trading Force. But next time, we have on Jillian Risco. She's got uh, some new stuff to talk about, new tunes. She's playing a ton out live. So uh, we're going to talk all about that next week. So until then, go out and uh, support live music. Once again, thanks to the Trading Four All-Stars on here. You guys are so cool to donate your time and effort. And that's going to do it. See you real soon. Bye-bye.